Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is part two of episode 490 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. The three wise men of podcasting, myself, Adam Buxton and Richard Herring. I'll keep this intro brief. Let's just get into it, shall we? This is the half that's got a lot of redacted sections. So apologies for the annoyance and frustration. If you know me in real life, hit me up and I'll let you know exactly who we were talking about. Um, (laughs) But don't otherwise, I will not reveal Richard or Adam's secrets. And I love these dudes. They've both got amazing books out. If you're interested in that kind of thing, perfect stocking fillers, perfect stocking fillers, or perfect audio books for in that bit between Christmas and New Year when everyone's doing your head in and you don't really know what to do. Um, We're brought to you as ever by speech development records.com patreon.com forward slash Scroobius Pip and twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pip. Yo, I told you all about all the stuff there in part one. If you've not listened to part one, go back and grab that. But yeah, until then, this is episode 490 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. Three wise men, Richard Herring and Adam Buxton. Before we we run out of time, all three of us, one of the things I'd noted, all three of us came to the public eye for the first time as parts of duos. <laughs> and you guys have played up some rivalries in the past and, and discussed. I did a podcast recently about Dan Lassac, and I felt so conscious that I was mean in it. I've been reassured I wasn't, but, you know, I love the guy, but we've had ups and downs over the years. So I want to ask Adam, what are your thoughts on Stuart Lee? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll preface my comments by saying that I think that if people are able to, because double acts are so complicated and, Mm. and tense in so many ways and anxious making that... I think a lot of people just never talk about their relationship with their double act partner because it's too complicated and it's too tricky and there's too many minds to step on. I think that if you are able to talk about it, it's just a lot better for everyone as long as the other person doesn't hate you um, for doing it. (laughs) So I always feel like if people are hearing me talking about Joe or Louie and being a bit um, bitchy, then they should understand and i hope they do understand that that it's all that the foundation of it is love and i love them both very much but i but i think it's useful to be honest about some of the times when i'm really jealous or competitive <laughs> or yeah. disappointed or hurt by things they say or whatever you know because it's everyone feels that stuff stuart lee i had a funny relationship my relationship with stuart lee is that you know, me and Joe used to be jealous of uh, Rich and, and Stuart when they did Fist of Fun because they were doing what we wanted to do. They were doing a, a sort of very idiosyncratic show on, on a mainstream channel that had a lot of ideas and was quite edgy, but it was also funny and weird. And that's exactly what we wanted to do. So we felt competitive and that made me resist enjoying the work of Stuart Lee for a while. <laughs> Also, because I didn't like his, I just thought he was too kind of 
up himself and arrogant and sneery. And I didn't like that. <laughs> I, just, I, I liked people who smile. You know, I think sometimes the hardest thing is to smile. I, I like it when comedians smile. I like it when anyone smiles. And um, it always used to wind me up in Edinburgh to see all the posters of the people kind of sneering and doing weird faces because it's like, oh, I'm not just a comedian. I'm kind of a edgy artist. And I just think, no, you're not. You're just a fucking comedian. <laughs> and so I slightly got that vibe from Stuart sometimes. But then uh, I liked him when he started to go a little bit more to seed (laughs) (laughs) because he lost some of that vanity and he was just started to be really more funny, I thought. So around the time when he did his whole, when he, when he started doing stand up shows that were like, that he did a whole thing about Scotch, calling Scottish people Scotch or something, which was probably a joke he nicked off you, Rich. Yeah. But um, debatable. I can't remember who would that one. We both do it <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I, I gradually, I gradually got into him a bit more, and I think I started to understand where he was coming from a bit more because I was too literal with his stuff. I sort of thought, oh God, he's very opinionated and judgmental, this guy. And I didn't really like it when he would trash other comedians and things like that. But then I started to understand. Oh, actually, there's a bit more to it than that. And it pays not to be too literal when you're listening to his stuff. And so now, uh, now I'm a fan. If if there was ever a man who makes sense in the podcast world, it's Stuart. Because 90% of his stuff taken out of context is one thing. And in context is because it's a whole long, long journey thing. I can, I can completely understand that. But so Richard, what are your thoughts on Joe Cornish? Um... <laughs> I see. I don't really know Joe very well. I I, I did used to. Um, I, I, we probably felt the same about Adam and Joe as you felt about us at the time. Uh, though I really, I, I loved the silliness of Adam and Joe, and 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 that's it's exactly. And I think I've realised as as time's gone by, having experimented with different kinds of comedy, that I think um, pure. So all the people I like are just purely silly. Really, you know, Rick Mail, really, and Morecambe and Wise, and. Whatever you're doing, I think comedy's job's got to be to make you you laugh, and you can do serious things within that. But but I, but I really love pure clown, funny people, uh, which I think Adam and Joe really was. Though Joe is the sort of is was the sort of more serious one of the two, and as, as time has passed, feels more like that. So um, I don't know. You know, I met him maybe the first time when when Adam and Joe were on my podcast uh, last year. And um, it's it's an odd odd thing when you you know when you've you I, I'm so into Adam <laughs> stuff and <laughs> and have been through that journey with Adam that I, I that even though Joe he seems like the absolute loveliest person there's still a sort of feeling like no I'm on Adam's side and there's, Adam. not even, there's not even there's not even a, a fight between you you know but it's it's I do like him and I think and, and I love his films and he's a, clearly a very clever man. And I love, but you know, and I love the. I think I love the relationship that you, t- the, the the two of you have, and I that I love your honesty in being, you know, sometimes slightly jealous of it, and I, th- I think sometimes he's a, a, actually a little bit cruel towards Adam or a little bit superior towards Adam. But I guess I'm living through some of my own issues <laughs> by projecting them on <laughs> onto a different double act in which I am the sort of sillier uh, and uh, cuter 
puppyish one. Um, but uh, but he seems but he seems like a very nice man. And you know, with 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 Stuart, things are a lot more complicated. And I think they're I think they're more complicated than anyone realizes. With and then he himself realizes. I think so. You know, I think Adam's sort of right about his comedy. But when you're in the firing line of it, it's sometimes you kind of can't quite work out where the uh, where the real Stuart Lee ends and the joke Stuart Lee begins and. You know, I've got a lot to process with all sorts of relationships that I've <laughs> that I've been in, but certainly relationships I was in in the nineties, and uh, maybe I process those via Adam and Joe more easily than I do via via myself and Stuart. Hey, speaking of which, um, I really loved your Sally Phillips. Oh man, conversation that was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. It was, but it was. We were both very nervous about doing it. We, me and Sally, had been in a relationship in the nineties that had sort of. I mean, it hadn't ended badly because it kind of carried on a bit as well. But we sort of had, uh, we, you know, it sort of was a very public end to it. And uh, she did a show about me, but she was also in my show at the same time. And But we, as foolish 20-somethings who were into each other, to be fair, we sort of carried on seeing each other when we'd broken up and it was quite confusing. And I've seen her over the years and we are, you know, we're, we're, we're friends, but I didn't know whether... The podcast would be a disaster, or you know, and like so, and like it was interesting talking to her backstage and a little bit on stage because uh, our memories of things were different, and that's not to say uh, one of us was right and one of us was wrong about the memories, but uh, certainly in a couple of like in the podcast, she talked about me having a poster of Julia Sawala above the bed, (laughs) which I generally think she believes, but that was that didn't happen. I can hundred percent say that was not the case because there was a sketch. You know, she's confused. She's conflated the sketch. Which is still it's still the same feeling because there was a sketch about me fancying Julius Weller. I mean, we'd broken up, but but uh, with the Sally, but that must have been difficult for her to cope with. But yeah, it was it was really a kind of healing and lovely thing, and again, cathartic thing to do. And you know, I realised how much I I loved her and still do love her. You know, in 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 in, the, in that way that you do love your sort of early. She, she was really my first proper girlfriend, I would say, uh, and we nearly lived together and all sorts of things. And so it's kind of was really great to sort of have it out and to both apologise to each other because I think at the time I was sort of the villain of it, but all that I really did was know that I didn't want to be in a, I didn't want to get married yet and yeah. and and broke and, and ended the relationship. The the confusing thing was that we, because we carried on, I think her, her memory of when it ended is very different to mine. And so, yeah, so it's, I don't know whether it's a great thing to do for everyone. I don't know if it would work every time. People are saying I should get Julia Sawala on, who was was an equally kind of tempestuous, weird relationship, and I haven't really seen her since. But uh, it was, yeah, 30 years, well, yeah, probably nearly 25, 30 years on. It was a really, I I mean, I I loved it, and I just, and it felt very healing, you know, and also it makes it makes your 20s look ridiculous as well you know i think we both knew that the right thing had happened yeah <laughs> and you're also aware that like you know her son was there who was who was also amazing uh, and if you've gone a different route then all those you know your kids don't ex- there's different kids existing and different things happening um so yeah it was but it was that I mean, that I think that was it was her and Reese on at the same Reese Smith on the same mm. night and they were both absolutely cracking interviews and possibly the best double bill that, that there's ever been i think in the whole of it. but it was so it was just like one of the and like you adam sometimes i walk away going oh, you know i wish i hadn't said that or that one didn't seem to fly like last night's audience was smaller and therefore it was harder to gauge how it gone down yeah and you can yeah you know but with with that one you walk away going, yeah that was amazing something kind of well, special it's, happened. it's it's a prime example of what's so fucking 
brilliant about podcasting and and podcasts is that is the only place that that could have worked in the way it worked with both of you comfortable and in control and no kind of producers trying to push things in certain ways or get certain reactions. I tried for years when I was doing music to write about my parents' divorce and I couldn't get it right. And then I had them both on the podcast and talked about it. And it's Hmm. the first time I'd really sat down and talked to them about it all. And I came away from that just absolutely on cloud nine because it was like, this was what I'd been looking for all this time. It didn't exist when I was was trying to find the right art or platform to to process this or discuss it. What it was, was these intimate conversations where we're just all grown-ups now. I was 16 when my parents uh, divorced and angry teenager, all these different memories of it, but also aware that, I was steering into stereotypes of angry teenager because I knew I could get away with more because my parents had split up. I bunked off a lot more. I did a lot more drugs because I was like, well, everyone's putting an arm around me and saying, are you all right? And, you know, this is a a, a, a red flag to a ball. Um, and yeah, but sitting down as grown-ups and discussing it all was the perfect platform for it. And again, it sounds exactly the, the same there with but addressing it, yeah. a 20-year-old <laughs> A relationship, but safely. But it's, it's sort of interesting to do it. It's interesting to do it in public. You know, yeah. you might think, "Oh, I'll go and meet up with my ex and talk in a cafe, and we'll talk it through." But for, and, and we did a little back. We did talk a little bit backstage. Yeah, there were other people around, but we did. We were very. We were both very open about stuff. And again, some different memories of how things had gone down. But we were both. Uh, you know, it was. It was considered and 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 friendly and both of us apologizing but i think weirdly doing it in public you would think that wouldn't be that would be st- <laughs> that'd be a strange way of doing it and it is but i don't think it would have worked the same if we just sat down somewhere and had a coffee and tried to talk it through i don't think we'd have got to the, the exact same play i mean i think we would still have been there'd have been something but there was something about it being being a podcast and it being you know, vulnerable and honest. But again, that it goes back to why I think, you know, Adam's podcast, which is, I've always thought is fantastic. When that vault, when those vulnerabilities came to Adam and it felt, you know, your heart was breaking for, for Adam, even if it was, you know, even if, if you weren't really pushing those buttons, it was, it, you could hear the pain in your voice and you could hear, you understood what you'd been through and it affected the content. And so as a listener, you, I think there's just something, you know, it's a bit on radio, but more so with podcasts. You're so invested in the people in it mm. that um, for right and wrong. And I think I think what we all do again is we're all probably more honest about our own failings than we are than, than we are about others as well. So if we were if the podcast was cont- entirely settling scores or getting revenge or <laughs> saying oh that it's not me it was him he was you know if it was all of that and there's a bit of that in, in everything as well I suppose but it but it's you know I think we're all quite hard on ourselves or at least quite honest about ourselves and I think that's a, I think it's a very, really important thing for people to hear because it's it's not a normal human reaction to admit culpability or to admit failing, which I think comedians do, but podcasters do it even even sort of more intimately, I suppose. Yeah, well, it was, I mean, it was good because you and Sally are both performers and you're both funny and you both felt comfortable saying what you said in front of an audience and on a stage. And so the power relations were 
fine. You know what I mean? It gets yeah. uncomfortable when you can hear that someone else is uncomfortable and yeah. they don't really, they're not on board for a bit of public sharing. And they're like, why the hell are we talking about this now? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just, yeah. why have you, you got know? me here for this? <laughs> yeah. If you've got all this to say, why don't you ring me up? Why don't you behave like a grown up person? <laughs> I'm not a grown-up person. I've got a podcast and I want to have this conversation now because I think it'll be spicy. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to, to kind of wrap things up, over the years, what comes to mind as your worst podcast m- m- moment? And one that one happened for me recently, I was lined up to talk to an amazing director on Zoom. I'd sent all the kind of tech spec through and I got on the Zoom and they said, oh, we've not got any headphones. Um, and also, we've got a translator here for the, the whole thing because their English <laughs> isn't great. That sounds And I kind of said... Ideal. Right. And I was like, I, what I would need in this situation is the translator and the guest to have headphones and so on and so forth. And they didn't have any. And they said, oh, we can go and get some. And I said, right, well, do you want to try and sort out the tech side? And then we'll talk. And then I ended up emailing them going, shall we leave it? Because I can't imagine doing an hour-long conversation with no headphones over Zoom (laughs) through a translator, essentially. (laughs) I was just like, there's not going to be any way to edit it because they're going to be on the same channel and all this. I was like, nah. And it was a director I was really excited to talk about. I'd done really good prep because I I get really nervous if it's a director or or just someone who's a proper, proper artist. And I kind of always feel I'm 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 faking my way in all these industries. So I'd really prepped, and but I was really pleased to be in a place where I could go. Should we leave it? Like to feel comfortable mm. in myself and saying, and let's not put each other through this. So yeah, is there anything that comes to mind for either of you guys? Well, I got the opportunity to talk to a director who I was quite excited to speak to, and. There was lots about his life that I was interested in, and I was really looking forward to having this conversation. I'd I'd been in touch with him on Twitter when I was on Twitter in the olden days, and he'd always said like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll do the podcast. And then finally it came together. He had a new film out, but he had a PR team dealing with making the final arrangements. Right. And they were so obnoxious. And they just treated me like a tiny piece of shit on their shoes. And it was just like, well, uh, when's this going to happen? No, he can't do that. No, 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 he can't do that. You can have half an hour uh, tomorrow kind of thing. And this is after we'd spent months sort of saying, no, it's um, okay, Tuesday. Yeah, that's fine. But we need at least an hour. And that's how they are used to treating people doing junkets, right? When you go out and promote a movie. I've got really good at walking away from them. Like when they say, oh, it's 30 minutes, I go, okay, cool, I'll leave it. And yeah. they don't know what to do because, again, exactly. it is generally they're in, in that control. And it just got down to the wire. And then, it, and then it was like I'd sent them a Zoom link or something and then I tried to connect. And first of all, the guy wasn't even there for a bit. And then he turned up or something. And then they were just like, Oh, I don't know if he's got a mic. It'll just have to be on the mic. And and we'd been through all this. It was like, have you got a mic? Do you want us yeah. to send you a mic? Blah, blah, blah. All this technical stuff that you do to try and make the thing as good as possible, right? Yeah. But 
they hadn't done any of it and they'd lied to us about um, having sorted it all out. And they were still kind of chippy. They were sending these chippy emails. And I was so close to going, actually, you know what? Fuck off. You can fuck off. And the uh, director, I still like the director, but he can kind of fuck off as well for not being a little bit more proactive and on it. And it was just such a all around humiliating experience. And I went in and sounded off to my wife and and she gave me a she gave me a good dose of perspective sauce and just said calm down it'll be fine these things happen weirdly i've dodged a bullet adam because i've got to the point that you said about talking to this same person on twitter and saying yeah we'll have to do a podcast at some point but never got to the pr people bit so yeah. i get to have this beautiful imaginary <laughs> friendship and relationship without having it it's it's sour this is now going to be a big a bleeped out section of the podcast in general, but I've just remembered one and it plays in, into Richard here because I was, I had all my podcast gear and I was at a hotel to talk to Redacted, a, amazing actor. And they came out, they'd pushed it a couple of times and they came out to me just before they said like 10 minutes. So I said, I'll start setting up my gear so I can get the most of my time. And they came out with five minutes to go and said, we're going to have to cancel because she's sleepy. And I was like, what's that? Sorry, I've come all the way into London for this. Like, yeah, she's really, and it was jet lag. So I complete, I do actually get it if you're jet lag and it's this. And then the podcast before came out and said she was laying down for the whole podcast. It was really hard to make it work. And it was redacted. Who came out and let me know. It's like, you probably, it's probably for the best. And again, there was there was a level of understanding because I'm a very calm person that jet lag can be a nightmare and all this. But to be there and set up and have them go with five minutes to go, we're going to have to reschedule because she's very sleepy. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going home now. Bye. <laughs> but how about you, Richard? Um, obviously, there's an infamous one that never got released. Redacted. Was weird because it was so good yeah. and he was so funny. And I think... He maybe just got insecure. You know, I think he just maybe had insecurity as the time passed by. Because we say goodbye, he was lovely. Yeah. The problem was we'd we'd arranged to meet him because with big stars we tried to bring him in the back entrance so they'd have to go through the through the audience, which in the Leicester Square Theatre. And there'd been a mess mix up, and he ended up. We told the cab to drop him at the cue bar, but he ended sitting in the cue bar, which is around the corner, right. for about half an hour, and and, the, and we didn't know he was there. And so he arrived just before he went on. We didn't really have time to talk to him. And then I, you know, I I don't know. I don't I don't know to this day whether he got upset by anything I said. And halfway through, he said, "Why, you know, what you should have comedians on. Why do you have?" me on and I joke because it was going so well I said oh we sometimes have people who aren't funny on you know but if it's going so it, yeah. it's going so well I would honestly put it in definitely the top 10 yeah. podcasts maybe the top three podcasts in terms of we've got some good stuff out yeah. of him He's the amazing. audience loved the audience loved him you know he got the ovations you know it's usually what you get these legends on and then they can't believe the love in the room for them and that was completely there and he was funny I think it could be his PR people and then I think people were worried about his reputation in Hollywood. Right. So I think they just thought we this was, a, you know, we were talking about, there was a few conversations about uh, he, he caught Redacted. Wanking on the set of Redacted. Something, there was a few <laughs> things like that. But I said to them, you know, let, tell us what's the problem. We'll cut out anything. If, you, if we don't put out anything, yeah. it's going to become this legendary worse, yeah. thing. But he also blocked me on Twitter. I tried to get in touch with him, but I found he blocked me on Twitter, which he hadn't done before. Oh, wow. Uh, and so it was like he didn't even want to have a conversation about Because I would have direct messaged and said, look, it's great. What's the? Just tell me what's wrong. We'll take out the thing that's wrong. And I would have said to him, you're going to have people 
tweeting you in five years' time, as as is completely true. It's going, where's the fucking podcast? Uh, and it will be a nightmare if you put it out. It will be forgotten. You know, it's it's not the kind of thing that comes back to haunt yeah. you. And there were and there wasn't really much that he. You know, I'd listened to loads of podcasts with him, and he didn't really give me much stuff that wasn't in other podcasts. So I don't know with that. I, I mean, I've had a few. The last one with Stuart was really where Stuart was a, a little uh, worse for wear and uh, quite unpleasant. We had to take stuff out, and uh, mm. that was sort of the opposite of the Sally Phillips one in a way yeah. in that I think we were getting on okay and that kind of pushed us apart a bit because he was sort of so weird in that one and we cut loads of it out uh, Redacted It was a bit weird but I think we've made friends and he's going to come on again I think at some point and I think it was only it was only for a few minutes now, I had one on tour with a musician who was from the area but then had actually I'd booked him because I knew he was from the area but he'd come up from London for the gig which was a you know good train ride away yeah. uh, and he'd obviously had a whole night of it right so he he arrived uh, really early and said can I just have a lie down I've been out and out and I didn't twig that anything was up I just thought oh he's tired I said you know what? you could go and lie in your dressing room and so he went and slept in his dressing room for a couple of hours and when I sort of went to get him 15 minutes before the show and he seemed he was a bit uh, and he and but you know he seemed okay, and it wasn't until he got on stage that I realised he was out of his nut. Right, uh, and and then we did an hour an hour chat with him, and uh, it was absolutely awful. I mean, he was just horrible. He's a quite affable guy, nearly usually I think, and I think he'd fallen off the wagon or something like that. Right, uh, and uh, was rude to the audience. The audience were very patient with him. It's a lovely venue and a fantastic audience. Uh, and he got a little bit of a head, and I was I was playing a blinder because I was keeping it going, being polite enough to him, but you know, letting the audience know that I knew this was weird because yeah. <laughs> there were some weird stories. And then someone heckled. Uh, and he's going, what, what was that? What was that? And he was sort of angry with the heckler. And then someone else said something and he was all at the end, he was sort of trying to go down to the audience to find this person <laughs> oh, who ha- wow. he hadn't even heard what they'd said. So like, you know, it was like absolutely horrible. He said, you put, I'll oh, be kind to me in the edit. And I said, look, there's absolutely no way I can put that out without it. Like, there is no editing. There's no way. Of, there's no way of editing it to make you know. I don't think he had any. He was just came because it's nasty. He repeated himself. You know, it was. I and I, it was annoying because I did an absolutely amazing job of keeping that going and yeah, keeping yeah. it amusing whilst. <laughs> but also kind of it was like like it was like you know having an animal on stage with you or something wow. that, you know, that, that might that might attack you at any moment <laughs> just horrible to everyone wow and uh and so that was but it was sort of magic and also when things like that happen when things like that redacted one and that one happened you kind of it's sort of good for the podcast because you sort of people know that if they don't come and see it live, they might miss out on something. Yeah. That's, it was Some an actually extraordinary. It was an extraordinary night. Uh, you know, it, luckily two interviews. The second one was brilliant, but you would remember that experience for the rest of your life. And people do often tweet me, and go, "I was there. I saw it." Uh, and <laughs> he sorted himself out of the gun. You know, and he's and he, I don't. I think he was like a big fan of the podcast, and I yeah. think he just got overwhelmed with. You know, sometimes people drink a little bit too much. Yeah, usually, he probably usually it's okay. he probably wound himself up because he was nervous. That can be the yeah. thing. Sometimes people just don't know how to play it. They they start second guessing themselves, and yeah. then they it's a bit like sometimes after you do a gig and people think, oh, this guy's a comedian, so I've got to try and be funny with him, or I've got to I can't just be yeah. nice because that's too boring. So I've yeah, got to yeah. be a bit weird or edgy and. 
and then no, they... definitely, definitely with mine as well. I think people think because it can be a little bit controversial. They come on and they're just a little bit too rude, and they, yeah. you know, and and actually, you can be rude to me, and it's fine. A lot, a lot, of, most of the comedians get the level, but yeah. I think when it's not a comedian, it can just suddenly go okay. I used to get that all the time <laughs> around where I live and there was a kind of era where you had your Frankie Boyles and all these who were amazing but offensive comedians and loads of people around my area got the offensive bit but didn't necessarily get the comedy <laughs> bit and would just say something fucking horrific it'd be like i'm only joking so right there's not a joke yeah. there you've just been really horrible and i think that probably happens in those situations as well where yeah. it's like i'll say something edgy it's like no that was just mean that was just it's weird because the, the audience love it when people take the piss out of me but you know but you it's sort of such a you know it's it, comedy is such a tightrope and it's all about intent and it's all about you know, it's all about the the moment, and if it's the wrong moment, it just it just becomes a, like a weird thing. But I kind of like that. I like the awkward ones, and I like trying to get out of the awkwardness. And usually, we do a pretty good job. If you get someone <laughs> who doesn't talk much, you know, Mackenzie Crook was like surprisingly hard to get talking. And yeah. I said, you know, he's in. I said, uh, you're in Jerusalem. That was a fantastic play. What was that like? He goes, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, and not, you know, there must be a story from Jerusalem. Just punting you up to do a story from yeah. Jerusalem, you know. And, and but in the end, it was it was okay. But I was, was going to say, but how rewarding is it when you get that that breakthrough? I always yeah. say one of my favourite ever episodes was Mary J. Oblige because for the first twenty minutes or so, it was real press junket type stuff. It was clearly mm. the stock answers, and around twenty five thirty minutes, there was just a breakthrough, and it became a conversation between two yeah. people. And it means the world to me because it was one of them. It was one of the first ones I was sweating a bit. I was saying to you before Adam came on that I still think your emergency questions are the greatest tool in podcasting history because it allows you to go, I'm sweating here. I'm just going to throw in something pre-prepared and bonkers that the crowd will always react to because they know the set ones and things like that. And yeah, there's been a few junkety type ones where I've felt that kind of, I'm like, oh man, I wish I could ask if you'd rather have a hand made of ham or an armpit that dispenses uh, sun cream. <laughs> but that's the thing. I think they need to, you have to get to a point with some people, especially if they're big stars, where they are able to bust through that junket barrier Yeah, and where they realise, okay, this isn't, I'm not on Graham Norton. I love Graham Norton. I love watching that show. Yeah, But it is... It's an artificial environment and yeah. you're not having a real conversation there. And But there is a possibility, not to say that you don't ever see anything kind of real and, and um, moving or whatever on, on shows like that. It can happen, but it's much harder. Yeah. And on a podcast, there is m- much more of a possibility that those moments will happen. And when they're able to relax and realise, okay, this isn't just one of these junket things and let themselves go. I had the same sort of experience that you described with Mary J. Blige with Niall Rogers. Yeah. He wasn't even looking at me. He was just looking at his phone and giving me the stock answers and stuff. Yeah. And then, and I was getting a bit peeved because that, again, that had been a hard one to put together and to coordinate, but it's like, well, he's one of those people you can't really say no to, or I I didn't feel I wanted to say no to. And um, eventually... I think I proved to him that I'd read his book and I dropped enough clues that I actually was invested in him and his work. It's the proving, isn't it? The, the breakthrough with Mary J. Blige was when somehow we got onto the, the onto the topic of Biggie and I knew yeah. that she was the first person to, to, to feature Biggie and we could get into this deep hip-hop discussion to, to 
to the point that I was confident enough and I was ready to be thrown out by the PR at this point because I asked her about about R. Kelly because he first guested on a Mary J. Blige track. And obviously this was just at the time he was being accused of horrific things. And she spoke really beautifully and delicately on that subject. And again, it was one of them where literally 10 minutes ago, I was like, I'm not going to get anything other than the stock answers to that point where we've feels like we've broken through enough that I can ask kind of tough ones. But yeah, similar there with Niall, him realizing you've actually read his book and, and can, yeah. can have a proper discussion. It is interesting with, because I don't do that, you know, I'm, I don't am i do quite the same thing. So it's nearly always people I know or, you know, or know of, or it's, yeah. it's, it's certain situations. So I'm not doing that junket. But I guess the start of a lot of the, for me, was we did uh, Just for Laughs, and we did the TV coverage from that, uh, Stuart and me together in uh, the late mid, mid to late 90s. We did a couple of years. And we sort of did this, we had to interview a few people. And we did this thing where Stu would ask a sensible question, then I would ask a weird question. And I guess this is where like a lot of the stuff came from. But you could see, uh, is it Leah Thompson who plays um, Michael J. Fox's mum in Back to the Future? Yeah. yeah. Uh, she was she was doing it and uh, Stu asked her a question and she was, you could see her um, in the boat. Then I said to her, do you think Space Camp could ever happen in real life? <laughs> Which was <laughs> the film she was in about some kids getting in the space shuttle. And then she went, and she was like completely, she completely like relaxed. Went, oh my God, that film came out the week of the the, the Challenger disaster. So oh. she told us this amazing story about having been in this film about oh, the, you wow. know, so, and so we got there and you could see her noticeably relax. And, uh, and also Moon Unit Zappa, who I didn't really, I didn't know anything about Frank Zappa. In fact, I didn't even know Frank Zappa was dead when I interviewed her. Wow. So Stu was being, Stu was being like really, I uh, was very excited about meeting Munich Zappa. Yeah. And I was, and, and, he, and they were talking about the, the one where she came down from, the, he got her out of bed to be in the Valley Girls sort of, doing a Valley Girls impression in one of the songs. Yeah. And I said, your dad sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> she, really, she really loved it. And in fact, I didn't realise till years later, she completely started flirting with me in the interview. I saw her in the bar and she said, write this down and gave me a phone number. And I still didn't know Amazing. that she was flirting with me. And that would have, that would, that would have, if I, if I'd married Moon Unit Zappa, oh. Stuart Lee would have been so annoyed. So I, I wish, <laughs> I wish I'd done I it love, just for that. I love that, story. that, as said, when it clicks like that, but sometimes it can, can, can backfire. I had Spike Lee n- no comment me. The only person oh, really? I've had a no comment wow. from, and it was Spike Lee, and I thought that we were proper relaxed and I could bring up some more awkward stuff, and um, no. What did you ask him about to um, get the no comment? Well, well he he was doing the press tour for, for Black Klansman, and... Boots Riley the day before had done a big blog and I know Boots a little bit from from touring days and and from music and he'd done a big blog about how Black Klansman was pr- essentially propaganda and it was b- because the, the the activist group that the story was about uh, Boots's family were in so he grew mm-hmm. up in this activist group and there was infiltration from the police to pretend to be on the side of the 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 black power group there was infiltration on the on the on the nazi groups and all this and black clansmen addressed a lot of that but but boots felt it was really kind of gentle on the police side of it and and almost supportive of the police side when they actually got up to some dark shit so i thought it's come out this morning like it's all over twitter he's going to be very aware of it no one has told me not to ask it so i mm. thought as i know boots it would be weird not to 
And yeah, I bought it up. I proper rambled it as I did then and pre, pre, you know, I see both sides of it and this and that, blah, 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 blah. Rambled on for ages before I got to the end of the question. And he just said, I've got, I've got nothing to say about that, I'm afraid. And then I was just <laughs> clambering through my notes. Cool, cool. No, that's all good. So, um, what, uh, uh, horrible, horrible. But again, perfectly in his right. He's not going, yeah. he doesn't have to answer to me. It was a weird one. Well, I'll wrap things up. A gentleman, I guess I'll ask what's ahead. Richard, you've obviously got the new book. I've got a new book. Can I have my ball back out on the uh, 20th of October? I don't know when this is going out. And uh, yeah, just obviously more pod- podcasts coming out of my wazoo, Rahalastapa being the main one. And Adam, what is uh, what is ahead? This will be coming out beginning of December, so ahead of the presumably usual uh, Christmas episode. Yeah, festive fun with Joe Cornball's Cornish. and. They'll be coming up to the 200th episode, and I'm supposed to reunite the, um, you know, me, Joe, and Louis for episode 200. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But, and then I'm going to take a break in 2023 and try and write my book and also try and finally put out some music, uh, which I've been threatening to do for a long time. Well, I don't know. You mean like, what's the sort of, what form will it take? What I mean, form I think, will it take? What kind of music is it? What's what's going on? Oh, uh, it's bad, bad music. Yeah. Excellent. I've been trying to think of a name for it. And, I, and I've been thinking of things like not music or, you know, just <laughs> annoying sounds. But it's like, um, it's, it, it's, it's going to be weird. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a journey. Um, and it's still like, it started off being trying to do funny songs, like the kind of songs I used to do with Joe, but then not feeling it really. And, and just having a, such a strong yearning to occupy a slightly different space that was a little bit more ambiguous and a bit more possibly serious or heartfelt. So I'm trying to do songs like that. Anyway, uh, it's been such a long time since I actually was asked to, uh, make some music by this record company that I'm, I'm embarrassed now that it's taken so long so i'm hoping that next year might be a giant dump of content i I love it i'm excited and the 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 jump it must be to kind of not be able to use the comedy side of things as a as a safety net as such or a safety a blanket it's yeah that must be a huge a huge change and jump on the music front yeah i don't think anyone's gonna like it (laughs) it's perfect (laughs) that's the best Starting point. My uh, with my r- r- record label, every r- release we did, we'd celebrate when the artwork and masters were s- submitted, rather than when it came out or when we got a chart position or when we got reviews in. Because the, the act of completing it and being happy with it is the bit that needs to be celebrated. Everything after that is completely subjective and out of our control. So, yeah, yeah. I recommend when you're done, have a a, a nice glass of something and. Uh, and be proud of yourself. I'm going to have some Mawam. <laughs> Sneak some Mawam. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. This has been an absolute pleasure. I'm glad we got to chat. Oh, likewise. Thank you. Thanks, Scroobius. It's always nice to see you guys. Good to see you too, Rich. And you. For all of this, every time I've been talking to you, Adam, I've I've held hard eye contact with the photo of you <laughs> at the bottom there. <laughs> I don't know why. I've not been able to look away. Just real hard eye contact. Here he comes. Look. Hey. Here he is. Exactly ah. the same. <laughs> well, thank you, gents. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Hey, let's take thank a picture you. of ourselves. Yes, let's. One, two, three. <laughs>
There we go. Great. It's beautiful. Oh. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Richard and Adam. I don't have to say I hope you enjoyed that because you did. They're brilliant. If you didn't catch it last week, the episode with Polar Bear and Moose Rock Wonga was a lot of the same, you know, a lot of just having a lovely chat with people I really respect and enjoy. So I'm lucky I get to do this. Um, And I'm lucky that you lot let me do it. So once again, thank you all for all the support this year. We've got a couple more banging little episodes to come, so don't you worry about that. But um, yeah, until next week. Oh yeah, I mean, as I mentioned... I've got a DJ set this weekend. It'll either be Friday or Saturday night, and it's on Twitch, so you can tune in anywhere in the world. It's going to be 9pm. Keep an eye on the socials. Tune in for that. It'll be lovely to see you. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta. And Merry Christmas. I mean, I know I've got an episode before Christmas, but, but, but seriously, Merry Christmas. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, and sorry about all the redacted business. Probably proper annoying, right? Although they do that a lot in Chatterbix, and I love it. It cracks me up. But um, yeah, anyway, i got to go. See, uh, see you later, bye.